Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Daily grind of trying to find joy in all of life's current conditions can be a trial, can it? Trying to find joy in the midst of what we're experiencing every day in schools or work or whatever environment you find yourself at today, it's very difficult to stay focused and have joy even though we have the most powerful gift outside of the Lord Jesus Christ the world has ever seen, the Word of God. You know, I I find that the key in my life to true joy, not just happiness, because happiness can come and go, right? People that are experiencing sin can feel happy. Uh, You could be under the uh, influence of alcohol or drugs and feel happy. There's a lot of things that can come with happiness, but true, true joy comes from knowing your purpose in this life. Because you wake up in the morning and it's not about the thing that, you know, you have to check off of a list. It's who you get to be today and where you get to be today. That brings joy to our lives. Yes? How many know what I'm talking about? See, the key to joy in life is having a clearly defined purpose for living. And so, as we find that foundation, we build our actions and our affections and our aspirations for this life on those things. So if you have a false idea of what brings joy, you put all your affections and aspirations and everything on that. And when that crumbles, so does everything else. So it is important that whatever you put your, like I said, actions, affections, and aspirations, whatever you put that on is what is going to be determining whether you hold on in this life and hold on with the joy God is destined for you to have. You see, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. He said this, I am overflowing with joy and all our affliction. What? He's being afflicted and he's overcome with joy. That doesn't sound like an exciting thing. I've been so persecuted this week. I'm so excited. I had so many bills come in the mail today. I am stoked. Half of them I can't pay. Isn't that exciting? I can't wait to not pay these bills. I mean, that doesn't make sense in the logic. That doesn't make sense in this earth, does it? But that's the thing. We're not of this world. 
So the joy that he gives, it supersedes this world. It overflows. And so when I talk about this morning, my message entitled Outrageous Joy, I'm not talking about that person that is so joyful they get annoyed or even annoying. I'm talking about pure joy saying, I know that this may be happening. I know that that may be happening. But here's what I know more. That God is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. You see, only when we have purpose in this life will we be granted that peace that we can enjoy pleasure, prosperity, and a joyful life. I found this quote. It wasn't my own, but it said this. The truest Purest joy flows from a discovery of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say this. He is hidden treasure that gives such a joy to the finder. He is given a joy to he that is the finder. I want to briefly tell you about two unsuspecting mindsets. And this is not my points. These are just two pre-points. But these are two thoughts that, that I, I want to see if maybe some of you can identify with a little bit of this as we talk about outrageous joy. You ready? Number one is cynicism. Cynicism, by definition, is the inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest. And so because of that, cynicism will make everyone a suspect and will cause you to trust nothing and no one. You ever been so cynical about something that you think, man, I can't trust anybody because everybody's the same. That is a dangerous place to live at because if you can't trust anyone, you are constantly on, uh, on your toes worrying about who's going to double cross you, who's going to hurt you, and who's going to turn their back on you, and who's going to talk about you, or who's going to... It's the next thing and the next thing. That cynical idea is that everyone's the same. No one's different. Everyone, and, and, and you know what? Sometimes that even turns to God, doesn't it? God will let me down just like everybody else did. Just like my husband did. Just like my spouse did. Just like my friends did. Just like my neighbor did. He didn't return my vacuum cleaner. And I need it. <laughs> Have you seen my living room? He didn't even return it. And when he did, it was full of junk inside. didn't even empty it. Everyone is a suspect. Can I tell you that will rob your joy? The second one is, is almost equally, if not even more damaging, sarcasm. Don't point to anyone that has this ingredient in their life right now. It's a characteristic. And I'll tell you what sarcasm is sarcasm is an over-the-top feeling that things are certainly a certain way no matter what happens. Things are a certain way. See, cynicism says people are a certain way. They will never change. Sarcasm can often be things are this way and they will never change. So people and things, everything stays the same and the only thing that changes is me because I love everyone and I'm so lovable and I keep getting advantage of and what happens? You become sarcastic, so boring. And you know what? You get burned, and then what happens? You get callous. 
And what happens is sarcasm is a thief that will rob you of joy because everyone's the same and everything's the same and nothing ever changes and I can never get past it. Can I tell you, these are two mindsets that will rob you of joy. And so let's get into the word for a moment because if anyone has a reason to be sarcastic or cynical, it was Paul who wrote the letter to the church at Philippi and he said this while he was sitting, watch this, he was sitting in a prison. In case you didn't know, Philippians was written by Paul sitting in a prison around 61 AD. He was sitting in this prison and no one could be more sarcastic or cynical than Paul if he really wanted to. Not only did he write two-thirds of the New Testament, he wrote a bunch of those in prison. And they are rightfully identified the prison epistles. And so we look at Paul and no one had more of a reason to be upset about people and things and life than Paul. And you know what Paul decides to say? Paul decides to say other things like, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers of all of you, I pray with joy because of our partnership with you. You know why Paul was this way? I'm going to come back to Philippians in a moment, but I want to share with you one passage that really kind of identifies why Paul could think this way. Because in Matthew, we can, we'll punch this verse up on the screen here. In Matthew, right before that, in, in, in chapter 13, it talks about what this uh, finder finds in a field. How do we get joy? Well, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found hid and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. You know what he said? I have joy. It's in my heart. It's mine. And now I'm going to sell everything so I can keep this joy. He found something worth living for. And that's what God is looking for for everyone. So that hidden joy, look at me, that hidden joy that, that, that Matthew spoke about here in chapter 13 is that similar joy that Paul talks about in the church of, uh, to the church of Philippi when he says, listen, I thank God for all of you. Now let me read on a little bit more. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. He goes on in verse 4 now. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I will always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it into completion until the day of Christ Jesus Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's good grace with me. God can testify how long how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Oh my gosh, this guy is 
been through it. Have you ever read like the different stories of how he was bitten by a snake that like flew out of fire and, and shipwrecked multiple times in prison and beaten by multiple people? Here's the guy that's done. All this has happened to him and he's going, I count it all joy. Not that I want that to happen, but what he did for me, this is just my way of saying, man, what you did, I'm not going to let it go to waste. And that joy that he had, the whole, listen, the whole book of Philippians is about Paul finding joy through the trials. If you're having a rough day, just grab Philippians, start reading. Sooner or later, you're going to be like, you know what? My day is rough, but man, he had it a little rougher. Now, I'm, comparison is not what, I'm, what the goal is here. The goal is really to reach a place of understanding of gratitude, right? So let me share with you four keys here this morning about how to access outrageous joy. Can I do that with you here this morning? Because I believe that God wants us to access outrageous joy in our lives. And it's all found in Philippians, uh, the book of Philippians, the first part of this book. So watch this. Number one, have a gratitude for God's blessings in your life. How many are grateful for something? You could think of at least one thing in your life you're grateful for, right? Philippians 1 Verses 3 through 5 tells us something awesome. Watch this. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says this. I give thanks to my God for everyone remembering you always, praying for all of, with joy for all of you in my everyday prayer. He gives thanks to God. See, he's in prison, yet his mind is not in chains. His body's in chains, but his mind is free. That's the difference. The world wants to, wants to try to chain you up physically so that they can chain you up mentally. And in some ways, they'll even try to chain you up mentally so that you can chain yourself up physically. For some people, it works. For some people, have a stronger mindset. So what they'll do is they'll try to physically chain you, then eventually break you mentally. For others, they're, they're easier to access. So the enemy will try to chain you mentally so that physically you won't do anything for God. And that, my friend, is very, very key. But you know what combats that? Look at me. You know what combats that? Gratitude. The best way to overcome depression is to become overwhelmed with gratitude. To say, you know what? I choose to be with you. I choose to have gratitude. When gratitude becomes your default setting, your life will change. When gratitude is your default setting, your life will change. What am I talking about? I'm talking about your perspective is based on the level of gratitude you have for what you possess. Multiple times, we, we look throughout this entire book, we see how Paul has constantly grateful. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to you and for you, and I'm grateful to God for you. That constant overwhelming, that overzealous that overwhelming, dare I say, outrageous joy 
doesn't come because of what's happening physically to him. That outrageous joy is inside of him because no matter how many chains they put him in, he still has joy. And that, my friends, is how to hold on to it. Just decide. That is the key. Decide that I'm going to be grateful for what is in front of me. You see, not only should we be grateful, number two, we should be confident in God's plan. Confident in God's plan. You see, the same God who is overseeing the events of history is also overseeing the events in your life. He's not pawned it off on anyone. Guess what? God did not pawn off your joy to the government. Can I tell you that? No matter where you vote, what you vote, he didn't pawn any of the joy onto other people so that you will have joy in your life. God is the author and giver of all joy. And it comes from him alone. I thought I'd get a lot more amens. Maybe I'm not. Is my mic loud enough? That God is the author of your joy, not anyone else, not the government. Listen, not your boss. Watch this. Not your spouse. Oh, 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 I'm going to get deeper. You ready? Not your kids. None of them. They may bring you joy. They may, bring, they may make you excited. Your friends, good friends, absolutely great friends. Who's got great friends? Who has somebody in their life? Listen, if you don't have a great, great friend, get you one. Get, get, just get one. Thank God for one and then find one. Just proclaim it over here. Lord, send me a good friend. Because a good friend is great. Guess what? You need that in your life. But, but guess what? They can't bring you joy either. Like true, unending joy. They can introduce you to joyful moments. But they can't give you joy. Because joy comes from Christ alone. Scripture encourages us to rejoice in the blessings of our life, to give, give glory to God in all things. Watch this. Romans 15 tells us, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. What is it saying here? It's saying that God desires to fill you with joy and peace. It is his desire to fill you with joy and and peace. And how does he do that? The power of his Holy Spirit in your life. It's important that we understand the kingdom principle that the the way God works in our lives is directly tied to our theology and our theology is directly tied to our obedience. Because what you believe you will obey. What you believe you will obey. If you believe that God is not good, you will act like God is not good. If you believe that God is faithful, you will thank him for his faithfulness and you too will want to be grateful and faithful as well. But if your theology says that God is a thief, you're going to hold on to everything you have and never give. If you believe that God is, is all he wants to do is use you and that you're just a slave, you're not a son, then you will hold on to your time. Are you with me? If you believe that God somehow is a crook, you will not trust him with anything because he is a crook. Because everybody in my life is crooked. 
because everybody has burned me. I'm cynical and sarcastic, and that's just the beginning. And everyone is a suspect. I can't, I got to hold on to these things. Friends, that's not joy. That's not outrageous joy. And I tell you right now, if that's your theology of God, you're not going to live obedient life because you'll think that God has an alternative, an ulterior motive, and some sort of idea that you don't see. And so somehow your theology is tied to your obedience and your obedience, what does that look like? Because it changes person to person. So within this confidence of God's plan, I have four works of God in your life. This is a sub-point of this. Under the confidence of God's plan, which is my second point, there are four works of God that are in that point. Now watch these four things. Now you got to listen to this because this is huge. This right here was my favorite part of putting this message together. And it's real simple. Uh, to a degree, it's real simple. It's short. Let's say that. Number one justification. How do I know? How do I keep joy in my life? I'm just the justification that God has set me free. What does that mean? Justification is God looking at you just as if you never sinned. When you say I'm justified in Christ or I have justification, you know what that is? The God looks at you and says, just as if you never sinned, that's how I see you. Just like you never crossed me. Just like you never sinned. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how God looks at us like we never sinned? And we're like, did you miss me this morning? Like, I was rude and I was this and I was that. God sees you. And justification is what God does for us. You with me? When we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are declared not guilty. We are viewed as sinless because in God's eyes we are sinless. Not because we are sinless, we're viewed sinless. God took our sin and placed it on Christ. And Christ took on that righteousness and gave it to you. He took his righteousness and he put it on you like a robe. How many ever put on a sweater or a robe when it's really cold and you put it on you like... That's so much better. Now that it's starting to get cold and frosty in the morning, that walking the dog first thing in the morning is a beast. I'm walking on the grass like crunch, crunch, crunch. But I tell you what, once we get back into the house and you put on that, you know what? His righteousness is like that. You're cold, dark, and alone when you don't know Jesus, but when you put on his righteousness because it's like a warm cloth, just putting it on you, that's justification. God has looked at you and said, just as if you never sinned. So watch this. Glorification is the second one. Glorification. We look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says this. Dear friends, we are... We are children of God and what we, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Glorification. Now watch this. What does that mean? Glorification is what God does to us. When we walk in joy, God, God brings glo his glory to us and he reveals himself more to us. One day the Bible says we will be like Christ. 
If we carry that joy in our life, we will be like Christ. We will have the same kind of resurrected bodies. Anybody looking for a resurrected body? Some of you are like, I feel like I resurrected body. I'm talking about a glorified body. Amen? Third thing, manifestation. See, so, so far we talked about justification, what God does for us. Glorification, what God does to us. Manifestation, what God does through us. How does God work through us? How does he manifest himself through us? Well, this is the cooperative effort of God where he uses us to minister to other people. Before I am a Christian, my good works mean nothing. I am a Christian. They meant a great deal when I come to Jesus because my obedience is tied to what he did on that cross. See, if I did great things, but I'm not, I'm not justified in God's eyes, all my works are nothing. You, you, you with me? Before I accepted Christ, all the good things that you did, they're just good. But they're not enough to get you to heaven. Guess what? After you receive Christ, your good works still can't get you to heaven. It's still what he did. So... So what we look at manifestation, we look at, what does that mean? What God did through us. See, when, when I can open my mouth and say, you know, I don't know. Like, like we look at the New Testament and we see, they say, well, you know, silver and gold have I not, but here's what I have. I have Jesus, right? I, I don't know who you're thinking about. I, all I know is that I was lost, but now I'm found. People are like, listen, I don't know all the answers, but I know who does. You know what that is? That's experiencing the manifestation of the presence of God in our lives. And that way we can share that all the time. You don't have to know this Bible from Genesis to the maps. You don't have to know every verse. It's helpful that you memorize and learn. And let me tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you, get this word in your heart that you may not sin against God. But there's nothing you could do to earn you heaven. It's only because of what he did and manifesting through us that we can be a blessing to others. Did you know that when you go to church, it's not just, look at me, it's not just about you. Going to church is about what God wants to do through you too. What happens is sometimes people get, they're so caught up in what I'm going to get and I like and what I want. And churches have been split all the time, all the time of people that they want this song sung and they want that carpet and they, they don't agree with this. And why doesn't the church do that? And why? And, and everyone's arguing about what? Because they want something. How about what God wants? Hey, 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 buttercup. How about what God wants? How about we worry more about what he said should be our great commission? How about what he said we should focus our attention on? How do you have joy? Stop being so focused inward and start saying, God, you've already given me so much I can be grateful for. And God says, you're grateful? And you say, yes. And he goes, I want to give you more. I want to give you more because you're so grateful. Fourth one, sanctification, what God does in us. The moment we become believers, the moment we become Christians, God begins to mold us, shape us, and up. sometimes it feels like hammer us into more like Jesus. 
You ever felt like you needed to like get something in to a hole or something? You're like, this can't just, you know, you're like, mm, mm, mm. and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to have to because it just won't go in the way you want it to. But I know if I could just put the right amount of pressure on it, it'll go right where it's supposed to go and everything will be better after that. But it's going to hurt a little bit. Listen, the chiseling to become like Christ is not easy. But guess what? That sanctification is so important. So that word sanctification is such a tricky word. All that means is what God is doing through us. See, he saved us when we said yes to Jesus, right? That's salvation. Everybody say salvation. That is an instant moment. When God saved us, we are saved. That's salvation. Then there's the the, the sneaky word, sanctification. Sanctification comes along after salvation. He's like, hey, so uh, what you doing today? And you say, well, I'm trying to not mess up. And God says, you know what, through his Holy Spirit, he says, you know what? Let me help you today. Start with this. Read a little bit of God's word. Pray. Take time. Start little. Work your way out. Sanctification is a daily process of making you look more like Jesus. Ain't nobody gets saved and that night they look like Jesus. This isn't nip-tuck situation, guys. This is not like a a facial, uh, you know, like, I look like Jesus. This ain't plastic surgery. Sanctification says, yeah, you had a moment, but now it's the process. So I found this thought, and it's simply this. Justification is the work of a moment. That's your salvation. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. It's daily, looking more like Jesus. I haven't perfected it, but I'm working on it. Are you with me? Number three, fellowship with God's people. Huge point. This is, part, this is the third point now. I'm moving to the next point. Fellowship with God's people. You want to have access to joy in your life? There's some things that bring me joy when I'm around certain people. Yeah? You ever been, you ever been having like a rough day and you get around somebody that you just, you ran into like on a market or something like that and you're like, man, I haven't seen you in forever. How you doing? All of a sudden. You ever, I haven't seen somebody for years, but then you see them and it's like they never left. That, that, you know what I'm talking about? Like that, that moment, like they never left, like you pick up and you know exactly, you know how to joke with each other. You know how to lie. I know I, that's the way I am. I haven't seen somebody in years. The moment I see them, I know how to joke with them because I, we had that kinship, right? That moment. And th- there's certain people you could do that with. You haven't seen them in a long time, but you pick up right where you left off, right? Well, listen, that fellowship, God wants you to be able to have that with each other. And guess what? Here's, here's, here's a... Here's one that might burst your, your mind for a moment. You know that God wants to have that kind of connection with you? So that you're walking, you get up in the morning and God gives you something and you walk and you're like, what's that for? Okay, I don't know what that's for, but later on he'll go, remember I told you earlier? Go ahead, this is the person. You wake up in the morning and God says, $50. And you're like, $50? Am I going to get $50 today? It's going to be a good day. When you go about your business, all of a sudden you overhear somebody who's short $50 on something. And God says, remember that $50 I told you about earlier? Here's where it goes. And you're like, wait a second? Is that the 50 you promised me? 
And God's like, no, I never promised you. I just gave you a heads up. You're welcome. And you're like, okay. But then when you give it, you're like, tell me more. Tell me more. Because you walked in obedience all of a sudden, fellowship with God's people. See, that connection with God and that connection with man, that, that constant connection, God allows his Holy Spirit to work through you. And that is a beautiful thing. So when you're in a fellowship like this, you want to have outrageous joy? Think outside of yourself and bless somebody else in a way you never imagined. And you're like, instead of thinking, hey, that was my 50 bucks. You're thinking, I'm so blessed. When can I give somebody a hundred? When can I give somebody a ride that didn't have a ride? What if you wake up in the morning and the Lord tells you, you're going for a ride today? And you're like, whoa, I'm going on vacation? Your car breaks down on the side of the road. And the moment it breaks down, somebody comes by and says, hey, aren't you such a, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I need a ride. Lord tells you, see, you needed a ride today. And all of a sudden, you get to share the gospel with that person. You know what I'm saying? I'm just creating scenarios. You just never know because that connection with God is already open. It's there. You know, that's when joy begins to well up inside of you because you realize God actually wants to communicate with me. Did you know that? That God actually wants to communicate with you? Like, he doesn't want to be the guy in the book. He's not some wardrobe where you just open the doors and you walk into this wardrobe and enter another world. He's more than that. He says, I am a person and I want to know you as a person too. No Christian can survive the trials of this life on their own. And lastly, and this is a brief one, ready? Desire for God's approval, not man's. Philippians 1, 9 through 11, we read that earlier, right? Philippians 9, excuse me, Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11, and it reads like this. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. You know what God really wants you to know? More and more about insightful things that he has for you to accomplish, Because I don't know about you, but it's really frustrating to stare at a situation and go, I don't know what to do right now. God says, as your Savior, as your God, as the Holy Spirit is living in you, I want to give you insight. And that insight will help you answer some of the toughest questions in your life. And so when we do that, we, we, we really have decided that we're not going to wait for man to approve of us. We'll want God to approve of us. So, therefore, we're only listening to his instructions, not man's. You with me? That's the tie-in. That's the tie-in. When we, when we are following his lead, we are following his uh, desire for approval, not man's. So, he's not talking about some sort of superficial emotion. Instead, he's talking about the love that results in wanting to know more about him and the things he has for us. So here's my conclusion for you here today. And it's three simple thoughts. And it all has to do with joy. Number one, joy is not a feeling. It's a choice. A choice to be grateful for God's blessings in our lives. 
a choice to be confident in God's plans for our life as well. Secondly, joy is a choice to connect yourself to other believers, the fellowship of the church. Third, joy is a choice to live your life for God's approval, not man's. Every day you got a choice to have joy or to be cynical and sarcastic. Listen, the world has plenty of those. They don't need you. You with me? As the worship team comes, let me tell you something. The, the cynicism and the sarcasm of this world, there's plenty of that in the world. They don't need you to be that. You know what God needs? God needs obedient vessels. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. God needs obedient vessels. You with me? So I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment as I pray over you because what I desire is that you would walk in outrageous joy that looks, even to the world, it looks foolish. Even to the world, it looks unattainable. Even to the world, it looks like something that doesn't make sense. But to God, he's saying it makes perfect sense. Follow me and I'll show you that joy. And I know there's some people in this room right now. You hear my voice and you've been lacking joy in your life. Can I tell you something? The joy that he wants to give you is so much more than just a good feeling and a goosebump on your arm or shoulder. He wants to give you purpose. I said it from the outset. The way we have joy is when we have attained that purpose, that knowledge of why we're here. I tell you, I don't know about you, but I want more and more joy. I need joy. But that joy is not going to come from anyone around me. It's going to come from God. Now, I'll say it again. People may bring you joy, but only God is the source of it, the sustainable source of it. He uses things in our lives to bring us joy, but he is the one who actually gives us the joy we need. So, Father, right now for every person at the sound of my voice, I pray that they would have joy unspeakable because it's your face we desire to receive approval from. It is a fellowship of your people that help us have joy. It's confidence in your plan, oh God, as you oversee our lives and gratitude and understanding that our perspective is largely based on our obedience. Lord, what we obey is what we truly believe. So God, help us to have joy today. In Jesus' name, let us attain that joy, not because we deserve it, but because you've openly said, I want you to have joy. You've given it to us. So I pray to, today, God, would you just pour out joy in this house today? Come on, get to your feet if you can. If you're able to stand to your feet right now, I want you to repeat this prayer with me here this morning. And say this with me out loud. Just 
if you can just lift up your hands and say this with me everyone in this room that you can't just just do this with me for a moment if you're at home right now do it in your living room it doesn't matter where you are if you're at work you may look a little crazy it's okay if you're on if you're driving do not lift your hands like I'm asking you to do that but if you are able to just lift up your hands right now and say this with me say God I desire your Holy Spirit give me joy unspeakable joy outrageous joy that I may follow you and listen to you and share to others the joy of my salvation in Jesus name Lord I thank you for every person at the sound of my voice fill them with your outrageous joy in the house of the Lord today. Father, be with them in all that they do. In Jesus' name, as they lift up your name. Hallelujah.